If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. we got a busy hour coming your way. Corey, uh, Carly Shimkus will be here at the bottom of the hour. Also, some good news. Almost added a million jobs, 945, excuse me, 43,000 jobs added. That's a stunning number, a lot higher than thought. The market is up to 35,000, so it's uh, great news. The question is, if that's happening, why do we need another? Why did we need the $1.9 trillion, number one? Number two, why do we need the eviction moratorium? Really? So you still can't pay the rent? Unemployment's down to just about 5%. I mean, at what point do people have to get back on their feet and do things? Come on. There's 9 million open jobs right now in America. There's some people up against it through no fault of their own. I understand it. But for the most part, we got to stop these welfare programs. Good news, we're adding jobs. A lot of these jobs are because people were told not to work for a while. They're finally coming back, and the wages are going up. We'll see how long this lasts. Let's hope it does. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Fabric, the easiest way to get affordable life insurance. Learn how to protect your family against the unexpected at meetfabric.com slash Brian. Number three. If he was not such a narcissist and he actually could think about other human beings, he would say, hey, you know what? I'm doing a lot of damage at this point. It's time to go. Just get the hell out of the way. Mary de Blasio talking about fellow Democratist arch enemy and the worst governor ever, Governor Andrew Cuomo. Meanwhile, shots of him acquired by the New York Post show him lounging poolside with his secretary taking notes about what he's saying. He's there to pledge to fight impeachment despite calls for President Biden, Speaker Pelosi, and almost everyone else in his party in New York to just resign. Number two. And I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now. So if I end up spending 200000 you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up. And defunding the police has to happen. And put that money into social safety nets. What a genius. Cori Bush has just helped the Republicans take back the House and maybe the Senate. Backing up what everybody's been saying, the Democrats are all about defunding the police. And she's the congresswoman from Missouri. Future, present, and the current state of the Democratic Party is front in anything but center. As Harris to star Jims, uh, dims, I mean the vice president, a moderate voice in getting is getting primaried by an aspiring squatter. And the defund the police mantra comes back from the mouth of one of their biggest voices. Still deny it's a Democratic staple, Joe? Number one. These immigrants are here based on the laws of our nation, legally seeking asylum, and it's the federal government's responsibility to care for them. And I'm extremely disappointed that we've received absolutely zero communication with them. I, I am disappointed, too. It is an enraging breaking point between the COVID cases, apprehensions of bordering towns, and throwing up 10 cities across Texas. A daily high of 800 unaccompanied minors crossed the border on Wednesday alone. Another 5,000 spotted under a bridge. 
If the federal government does not act soon, the border will break. But is that the goal? Don't tell me you care about Americans and America and allow this to happen, President Biden, the White House, and everybody surrounded by it. Since when? Where is Martha Raddatz? Where is uh, Andrea Mitchell? Where is Rachel Maddow? Where are the so-called reporters, Dan Rather in Texas, going to bat for justice at our border, worse than we've ever seen it before? So as I mentioned, 5,000 illegal immigrants huddled under a bridge in Mission, Texas. As I mentioned, uh, 834 unaccompanied minors on Wednesday alone at the U.S.-Mexican border. And guess what? If they come, they can stay. And a lot of them have covid so they're put up in 10 cities. Guess who's paying? The city. Guess who t- pays? The state of Texas. Guess who pays after that? The federal government. Guess who can't get a return call? Every official in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, as well as California. California doesn't care. The worst place by far is Mexico. Here's Javier Villalobos. He's in McAllen, Texas. He's the mayor there. He was on with Laura last night. He is outraged. Cut to. We are fortunate that those people or those immigrants were not released into McAllen, instead went through McAllen to the rest of the United States. It was just recently that uh, the NGOs are incapable or do not have the capacity to take care of the, the rest of the individuals, but they have not necessarily stayed here. They've been throughout. Just two days ago, we had to, of course, last week we enacted or I, I signed a disaster declaration because, look, we finally need help. And we blame it. Uh, people blame us sometimes here in the municipality. We tell them it's outside of our jurisdiction. If you want to place blame, we, can, we know exactly where to do it, and that's in Washington. And whether it be the president, Congress, the Senate, whatever it is, they're the ones who can take care of it. And also, we know that it can be the immediate issues we have right now. There's an overflow. We, have to, we had to, two days ago, put up emergency tents. We have never had to do that before. And now... Uh, you see his, how desperate he is. He goes on to talk more about it, and I'll let you hear from that later in the hour, one 408 7669 Meanwhile, a tweet out from a Democratic judge, Richard Cortez, faced with multiple reports that migrants are being released into Hidalgo County infected with COVID-19, quote, I am calling on federal immigration officials to stop releasing these migrants into our city. I understand the frustration. I can't stand watching it. And we have Bill Malusian down at the border. We got a drone team showing you things that you have never seen before because you don't work with the Border Patrol. But they see it and they're powerless to stop it. And more are coming through it. Mexico's doing almost nothing. Here's Trey Gowdy, cut six. We are continuously reminded that immigration and border security is a uniquely federal responsibility. And the state and local authorities have no business getting involved. The folks on the left tell us that all the time. And what these two mayors are saying, okay, do your job. I mean, it's a health crisis. It's a national security crisis. It's a law enforcement crisis. And I'll tell you, Brett, that means it's a political crisis. And when Biden gets swept out and and loses the the majority in the House, he needs to look no further than the border. He better lose the House, and I want him to lose the Senate. Uh, He needs to have his power taken away. His executive order should fall flat on their face. He knows almost all of them are unconstitutional and unnecessary. Think about this. We need more rental relief. We have unemployment around 5%. That's typical for the U.S. economy. Not as good as the Trump economy, but typical. Okay? Since 2008, we bounced all the way back. Now they want to forgive student loan debt. Okay. Now we want to give you unemployment 
extended, and then we want to give you supplemental unemployment not to work. What kind of—are you trying to destroy the country while letting crime go crazy and the border go nuts? I wish I could tell you and focus on the 943,000 jobs, but not when you're making me wonder if you're actually out to destroy the country. Now, on COVID-19, we have a new variant. Changes the calculus. Of course, you have to create an enemy. First, let's make it the unvaccinated. Then let's make it Republican governors. Is that leadership? Don't think so. First off, why don't we approach this from a scientific perspective? We all got clued up, but we got the fundamentals of the pandemic now. Now we see this variant. Now, look where the variant's been in India. Devastating, right? Not for us because we got a lot of vaccinated people with immunity. So the numbers go up, and the numbers go up in terms of over the last two weeks, hospitalizations up 82 percent, still low. Uh, cases are up 119 percent, deliverable, and deaths are up 74 percent, but just 439 nationwide, nationwide. Okay, so what's going to happen? Let's look at India. It dropped off the charts about four, five weeks ago. What happened in the UK? That's key because what happens there is slightly ahead of what happens here. Dr. Marty McCary, studying the Delta variant, not getting into hysterics, said this, cut eight. The models that I trust, the modelers who have been correct, show that Delta will peak in the next few weeks and then we'll see a decline beginning at the end of August or in early September. That's the most important soundbite. So meet with your officials. Tell them what you think. More than likely, this thing's going to peter out before the majority of people go back to school. But instead, you're having mass mandates in New Jersey. Uh, in I don't think it's announced in New York yet, but other Democratic cities. In Florida, they said no mass mandates. We're going to do this crazy thing called give the power to the parents. That means you can send your kids in a mask if you're worried about it. Fine. You want a resource? Talk to your doctor. Talk to health officials in the state. You got it. Talk to your relatives. Fine. In Arizona, they did the same thing. The legislator did the same thing. But in Phoenix, Tucson, they said, no, we want to, we want to have a mandate. We want to make all the kids come in a mask. Now the state's going to deny funding and try to force them to do that. In Florida, four counties, Broward, DeVal, and two others said, no, no, we want to force the kids to wear masks. The governor said, don't do that because I'll deny you funds. Now the federal government says, I'll deny you funds. Do you believe this? Enough. We can make our own decisions on everything from the vaccine on down. Show me the interest, show me the medical, show me the details on how this uh, mRNA works. All right. As opposed to Johnson and Johnson, which shoots antibodies into you. And then I'll go talk to my doctor and I'll make a decision. I did. I got vaccinated. No regrets. Still haven't gotten it yet. Thankfully, it's been a year and a half. Me going to the city, walking everywhere, going to gyms, restaurants as soon as I could. Wear the mask as little as possible, and I haven't gotten it. Very lucky. And I've gotten vaccinated. That's my decision. I'm not telling you to make that decision, but that's my decision. They're having problems all over. In Italy, they said everyone's got to get vaccinated. You're getting a green card, and that green card's going to get into restaurants and on trains and planes, and that's it. In Australia, it's gotten so bad they had to send the military into working class areas of Australia. So it's not just America that's wrestling with this. In China, they have an oppressive society. It's raging there. They just lock everybody up and give them a, you know, give them an MRE and they tell them just shut up and or I'll kill you. You want that? In the NFL, there's huge pushback. These guys are told you're massively restricted, and if you have a big outbreak. You forfeit the game. We're not postponing anymore. Kirk Cousins, quarterback of the Vikings, weighed in. He said, I'm not getting vaccinated. Cut nine. I think the vaccination decision is a private, very private health matter for me. 
and I'm going to keep it as such. Um, uh, I do believe that as a leader of the team, it's very important uh, to follow the protocols to avoid this close contact because that is that is what it's going to come down to is did you have a close contact? And so I'm going to be vigilant about avoiding a close contact. I even thought about should I just set up literally plexiglass around where I sit so that this could never happen again. Um, I thought about it because I'm going to do whatever it takes. Listen, the guy's a very responsible guy. I knew him when he was um... – he was backing up. He was backup quarterback in Washington, and he's very religious. Kirk Cousins, a self-made success story. I think number two pick out of Washington, got a zillion dollars, and everybody wanted him, including the Jets, uh, to go over to Minnesota. And he is a leader, and he is one of these upstanding citizens, Gary Carter-like. If I was to equate anybody in the Major League Baseball, like choir boy type, he's like, listen, I don't feel comfortable getting the vaccine. And you know what? I don't feel comfortable recommending the vaccine to Kirk Cousins because I made my decision. It doesn't mean you should listen to me. If I'm Dr. Ronnie Jackson, different. If I'm Dr. Siegel, different. I'm, you know, personally, I look at Dr. Fauci. I have no interest in what he says. That's my decision. If I'm a parent, I don't want my fourth grader wearing a mask, or I do. But I don't want them to. I want them to go in there and say it's minimal chance of them getting the illness. If this variant is different for kids, I want to see the data. I'll make my own decision. Why is that suddenly bad? Real quick, Democratic disaster. This is why I made this one of the big three. The future and present state of the party uh, is flat-out confused. First off, do you hear this story uh, broken by Jonathan Swan, reprinted really by the New York Post, that Kamala Harris has a crisis team working on her favorability, her performance, without her even there. They had her allies, uh, who evidently had a dinner the other night, top female like Stephanie Cutters, female uh, PR people. Kiki McLean, uh, McLean organized the whole thing. She's a Democratic public affairs expert. Tina Fornoy uh, is her state of, uh, is her chief of staff. She's a mess. Uh, she has set up a, a toxic works environment. We heard about how miserable it is to work for her. We've seen how terrible she's been publicly. And then Donna Brazil. Uh, Adrian uh, Elrod, we know her. I think she's very impressive. Karen Finney and others got together and talked about how to change her image because she was the favorite to run in a couple of years, three years, because Biden obviously can't even run, can't even perform now on a daily basis. And she's been terrible. She was asked to spread the word about the vaccine. She's been invisible, asked to spread the word about voting and tell people how bad these states are doing. She's been terrible on the border. You really need me to finish that sentence. And when you see her in front of people or in interviews, she stumbles all over herself. This is a former sitting senator who was came was attorney general of a major state who doesn't even seem to know any of the issues. They're trying to sell her to us, and we're not buying it. And you talk about a mess. Henry Cuellar has been a shining light for the country. He has been on the border. He's been uh, serving the broader community down there. He's a moderate Democrat, taking on his own party, to, to urging them to do what's right. He's been virtually ignored. And now the squad is backing up Jessica Cisneros to primary him in a very tough district for Republican, for Democrats to win. But they want another squad member. So they're going to run and primary him because he was willing to take on his party and do what's right for the country. That, to me, is a scary situation. When we come back, what Congresswoman Cory Bush did of Missouri that really delivered the House, I believe, for certain to Republicans and maybe the Senate. You'll hear that when we come back. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life. And I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up. And defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying trying to save lives. Excuse me. Attention Democrats and Republicans. Cory Bush, who was just praised 24 hours prior for extending the rent moratorium, which means no one pays rent for another month, even though this is unconstitutional if you make under $99,000 for a single or 144,000 for for a couple. So, she was sleeping on the steps getting praised from the president and and the majority leader Chuck Schumer. Now she's defunding the police and justifying you getting spending $200,000 on her private security. That's money donated to her from squad and squad supporters, maybe Soros, who knows. Do you really want to give money for her personal security? Is that why you're donating to Cori Bush? Or is it to represent the, the, the people of St. Louis who have been abused in a, in a crime-ridden city that's been besieged by the pandemic and virtually shut down? Now she's saying to fund the police and put the money into social safety nets. There'll be no one to fall into the social safety net. Everyone will be dead. So it's okay for you to get security, but not for the working class people you represent or the 22 of the 26 major cities that are overrun with crime from carjacking to assault. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Roe. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share to shootings, to homicides. 
So that is the Democratic mantra. Don't tell me some she's some backbencher rookie who just likes to spout off and say radical things. Those radicals are the one driving the reconciliation bill. Those radicals are the ones uh, driving social media to the left. And now Joe Biden can no longer say, I never said uh, defund the media, uh, excuse me, defund the police. Your party does. And that's the party that's in power. You're in it. And they're driving forces behind it. They're the ones primarying moderate forces. They're the ones not listening to some of the more moderate voices, at least uh, who are campaigning like that, like Eric Adams. And guess what else happened? The action shows you did defund the police. Millions in Minneapolis out the door, over a billion in New York. We know what happened to fund the police and was praised by the former senator from California, Kamala Harris, happened in Los Angeles. That's the most unpopular thing you could say to an American. Forget about Democrat or Republican, to an American. And she doubled and tripled down on it. Kali Shimkus next. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. This is just a matter of time before he's gone. If he was not such a narcissist and he actually could think about other human beings, he would say, hey, you know what? I'm doing a lot of damage at this point. It's time to go. Just get the hell out of the way. I mean, in the end, maybe he could close off his career with one act of dignity and decency and just step aside. But don't bet on that, Andrew. Uh, that is uh, Andrew Cuomo, and that, of course, Mayor de Blasio. Talking about Andrew Cuomo, both in the same party, both hate each other's guts. They're now chronicling how much they hate each other. But now it's uh, Mayor de Blasio, the most incompetent mayor in America, and that's a huge competition race to the bottom, going after Cuomo. Now, yesterday, Cuomo, despite the fact that he has almost no allies in his own party, he had the president from his own party tell him to resign, the Speaker of the House tell him to resign. He was lounging by a pool trying to reportedly get together some type of impeachment plan to fight back against the impeachment, which evidently, according to the AP, there's over 80 votes. He doesn't need that many in order to impeach him. I'm supposed to give him a few days to come up with uh, his response to the impeachment articles. Uh, He was also stung, according to reports, by the defection of two more prominent left-leaning organizations, a union that represents healthcare workers and a major fundraising platform for liberal politicians. He lost his special counsel, Judith Mogul, who handled complaints from some of the governor's accusers. She uh, resigned this week. So he is not having a good week, but you would never know it. His spokesperson said this. The assembly, he uh, said the assembly, he said, is doing a full and thorough review of the complaints and has offered the governor and his team an opportunity to represent the facts and their perspective. The governor appreciates the opportunity. We will be cooperating. With me right now is Carly Shimkus. Carly, you with Fox News 24-7, saw over the channel. But more importantly, you're in New York. Yeah. Have you ever seen a politician this overrun with scandal? No. Oblivious to it? It's Not- unbelievable. Um, I, I, I often wonder how he sleeps at night because there are so many investigations going on into his life. The nursing home thing is still going on. He tried to take a political victory when the DOJ dropped their uh, investigation into the nursing home. That was just a minor thing that was affecting 30 um, uh, 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 public nursing homes federally funded or or state-funded nursing homes. The private nursing home investigation is still going on. 
the attorney general is not even done because she's still investigating whether or not he used uh, public resources, you know, state resources to write his coronavirus book. There's also the uh, 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 impeachment investigation that is investigating a lot of things. The Mario Cuomo bridge. There's a bunch of different stuff, whether or not he gave priority testing to his family. So which we know he did. Yeah, I mean, the, there are reports that say, yeah, he absolutely did, and, he, and I'm sure that the the the, the book was uh, poorly managed in terms of using people to write the book. There was this New York Times report that came out that said that uh, people in his office, you know, his aides, while they were shopping his book deal around, they were also working with the state health department, saying, "All right, you, you're about to give deliver this report that says 9,000 people died in nursing homes. That doesn't match our 6,000 number." And then when the report came out, the 9,000 number wasn't there. That's a huge deal. So did he The FBI pro- is investigating that. Yeah. Did he profit off of the fact that they were hiding this information? Uh, so this pending attorney general report was providing him some political cover. Uh, but now it's over. The report is out. I thought one of the most stunning allegations that was made had to do with that security guard, you know, the, the person on his security detail who he was uh, harassing and open. touching. I mean, imagine being a woman in that position and you are charged. You are trying to protect somebody. And the person you're trying to protect is violating you. It's one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard in my life. But all 11 was substantiated to a degree. They were all, nobody was saying, well, she's just trying for political gain. And they had a plan in place to go after the accusers. Mm-hmm. One who's liberal, as liberal as a day as long as going to run for office herself, mm-hmm. they say it's going to be a Trump. You're going to make her a Trump plan. Yeah. Lindsey Boylan. Really? Yeah, I mean, you know, Trump? Uh, he does. He deserves due process. He says that none of this stuff happened. Um, but this investigation seems extremely thorough. How many interviews uh, 170 interviews. The the report is, you know, a mile thick. It, they did their job. Um, and I don't know how he survives this. Uh, it would be shocking. Do you think he steps down? I mean, well, what happens I is, don't know if he wants to get impeached. But if you are impeached, you got to go. And it looks like every Democrat's turned on him. The weird thing is, this Carl Hasty, who's the most powerful Democrat in the Assembly, said, we got to wait a little bit. we got to get all everything together. What's, what's the big rush? Everybody else is into one mm. or two weeks. Let's do something by the end of this week. He still has political allies. He still has political allies. Remember, some of the women um, who claimed that he sexually harassed them, they didn't want to have any part of the impeachment inquiry because they said it is a total sham. Um, they, they, it wasn't a serious thing. They were more interested in dealing with the attorney general because they thought that she would actually listen to them and deliver results. Yeah. So the, the other thing, Brian, it, it is also very political and some Democrats want to see him out because he, um, is not liberal enough for them. So, I mean, this story is non-political when it, in terms of the sexual harassment and the nursing home scandal, but it does get political when you hear people like AOC saying he needs to step down. I think there are some political motivations with that as well. So you remember a lot of people saying, okay, Vice President Harris, the president said to step down, right? The Speaker of the House said step down. Where were you? Remember when Vice President Harris was Senator Harris and was talking about Kavanaugh, grilling Kavanaugh. Listen to this, cut 27. So are you willing to have them do it? The the witness testimony is before you No witness who was there supports that I was there. Okay, I'm going to take that as a no and we can move on. How do you reconcile your statement about a conspiracy against you? Do you agree that it is possible for men to both be friends with some women? 
and treat other women badly? Did you um, watch Dr. Ford's testimony? Uh, I did not. I plan Thank to. You, I plan to. Thank you. It's grilling him. Yeah. Grilling him on this. The other thing why, about why, this. Why wouldn't she come forward you know what, and just call him out? What hasn't really um, come up yet, and it's a tricky situation, but, I mean, President Biden was accused of sexual assault. And when he stood up there and said, yeah, I'm calling for uh, uh, Governor Cuomo to resign, I was waiting for somebody to say, well, what about the allegation against you? Yeah. They said it was litigated. No, it wasn't litigated. Not at all. That woman, just, that, the woman who accused him does not feel like it was litigated. You know, and by the way, this is what I find, and I'm going to keep pointing it out even though it, it gets old. Everyone's dropped this story. CNN put it in a reader. CBS barely touched it last night. How do you, the most high-profile governor in the country, mm, yeah. vice presidential nominee who they wanted to really run for president, who wrote a best-selling book and got an Emmy, got an Emmy. and now is, is mired in scandal, covered in scandal, yeah. and it's a one-day story? It's not a one-day story. It is absolutely not a one-day story. Imagine if this happened to Ron DeSantis. It would be—I mean, well, their, their heads would DeSantis. explode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do—I I have one more thing I want to say on this. Um, you don't want to forget the nursing home stuff. Uh, because that's really, I mean, this the, people lost their lives. I mean, just listen to uh, Janice Dean's stories. We've had so many people talk about um, how heart, how heartbroken they were that their loved ones died in nursing homes and they weren't able to visit them at the time. Um, but they are linked in in the in the fact that. Lindsay Boylan was the first person to make an accusation, and it was December 2020 when she posted a tweet saying that uh, Cuomo sexually harassed her. And nobody really paid attention to that, but it was out there. And then when the nursing home scandal started getting bigger and bigger, she then posted a Medium article. And that, because he was weakened politically because of the nursing home stuff, she was able to come out again, say, listen, this happened to me. I think it happened to other women, too. And now we have this huge uh, firestorm of backlash on both fronts. So I don't think the sexual harassment stuff would have happened if the nursing home thing didn't, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, you would have been, well, what's going to say if one person says, I don't like the way he treated me in the office. Toxic workplace. Yeah. Yeah. Toxic workplace. I mean, you see that here that uh, we should try to find this, Allison. There's, There's horrible audio of him singing uh, on tape, evidently they 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 kept it. I guess one of the women that he was harassing. Yeah, I heard that. You know, to be honest, I I, I gotta uh, sort of disagree with you there. I, I think that's a mat uh, up to interpretation. Not all of it is clear cut. A lot of it is. A lot of it is the the allegation against the uh, security guard is. Uh, or the the one that the uh, security guard made against Cuomo. But I thought that that could have been a phone call that a boss would have just said, hey, this song. It's not like he was he was saying he loved her. Mm, I don't buy it at all. Why would you sing that song to somebody you're accused of harassing? Um, and then say uh, the other way, I was empathizing with her because she's been assaulted before, another woman. And I just want to say, I know what you're going through. Oh, really? Now you're empathizing with yeah. her. It's amazing how someone can misinterpret that. Having said all that, one of these scandals, let alone 10, 11 women had their stories stand up to him. I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about another story. And by the way, this is what my fear is. What's he going to do to distract? 
going to do the distract is make an announcement. We're going to demand vaccination cards on everyone. We're going to demand that school gets shut down. We're going to demand that everyone wear a mask. He's going to create a crisis yeah. and make the variant bigger than it has to be. And he's in charge. I'm not worried about my welfare. I'm not worried about my political future. I'm in charge now. That's probably what that meeting was, the poolside meeting that we have pictures of, trying to figure out how the heck he's going to navigate this politically. Uh, I mean, if I were him, I'd just throw in the towel, man. Uh, oh, absolutely. Time has come. Well, but where's he going to go? That's the thing. What's he going to do? 63 oh, years Oh, he's old. got book money to, to live off of. I think he's going to be okay. Um, that's the rest of his life? Uh, I guess in law practice, you really want him uh, <laughs> representing you? All right, a couple of things. You uh, Before we went to break before, I thought one of the most devastating things politically to happen in the Democratic Party, if, number one, you look at the fact that they're running against the moderate— Henry Cuellar has been to a breath of fresh air for politics. He's a border congressman in Texas who simply said, this is the problem, hopped on Fox, hopped on every network possible, tried to get the attention of the president of the United States. This is a crisis. You have to handle it. Forget, put the Remain in Mexico policy back. We, we got, I'll tell you exactly what these people are saying, where they're coming from, and how to put it to, put it, uh, put it to rest. You don't need to build a wall, but I'll find out something. They wouldn't listen to him. Mm-hmm. Now they're running, they're primarying him with a squad member. At the same time, a member of the squad came out and said this yesterday, Corey Bush, when asked about her huge personal uh, protection bill, she said this yesterday, um, and Jen Psaki finally had to answer to it. Cut 15. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life, and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up, and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives. So... Defund the police. They spent the last month trying to tell everyone it was Republicans trying to defund the police. They never meant that. Just some fringe people. That's their superstar. That's a high-profile Cori Bush. Defund everybody's police, but Cori Bush's police. Uh, the uh, Missouri Attorney, Attorney General, he brought up that St. Louis had a 50-year high in homicides last year. Kansas City had an all-time high. So I wonder what would happen um, if Cori Bush said what she said on CBS to a mother whose son w- was murdered. I mean, it's also because of the arrogance that she says it. There's so much My wrong life, with that statement. No one is saying that your life doesn't matter. Everybody wants you to survive. Everybody wants you to live and be safe. But so does everybody. Everybody else deserves that, too. And she clearly knows that protection is important because she paid $70,000 for private security. She said she would pay $200,000 for it. Um, and nobody else has that money. When you don't have private security, police are your private security. And right. she's trying to take it away. Yeah, we shouldn't. Uh, nobody else in her district should have security. They should have more social safety net programs. Yeah. That makes sense. Oops. Uh, good luck uh, walking that one back. Uh, and Cori Bush, who you just praised, Senator Schumer, and the president just praised. Now you're going to try to marginalize her? Please. Wait, can I say one more thing on this? Yeah. Do I have time? 
I I just the first thing I thought of when Cori Bush said that on CBS, I said, this woman is a conservative and she just doesn't know it. Because do you remember when she gave that really impassioned testimony? She was talking about how she thought that um, black women are treated differently when they're giving labor, when they're in labor. And she um, said that her son was born at 23 weeks and his his ears were still in his head and his his fingers were the size of rice. And it was this really heart-wrenching story about his survival and how she was treated in the hospital. I mean, she made the best pro-life case of all time. And when I listened to her yesterday, I said, you just made the perfect pro-cop statement. She does, She's a conservative. Does, she just doesn't know it. She doesn't know she's helping the people yeah, that she's trying to vilify. Exactly. Uh, Carly Shimkus is going to be back in just a moment. That's en- enough of a reason to keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So we're back. So, Carly, how are you going to handle it in New York City in particular? I know other cities are going to come up with it, and they're going to say, uh, you cannot go to a restaurant, you cannot go to a theater, you cannot go to a play, you can't go to a gym unless you're vaccinated. That already happened to me. I was, I was at a restaurant on Sunday. This was before de Blasio announced that he was going to do the vaccine requirement in restaurants. And I sat at the bar, and the bartender goes, have you been vaccinated? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you have proof? I said, uh, what? So I didn't. I mean, who does, you know, on you? Um, and he said, all right, you can't sit here. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Wow. Yeah. I didn't, so you couldn't he, sit there. Well, and then the, the manager came over who we're f- friendly with, and he said, ah, oh, no, we've talked about the vaccine before, which I did. I, I went to his restaurant. I sat outside, and, and I love this guy, in December, January, February, because it was only outdoor dining, and I wanted to support the restaurant. So he's like, no, they're fine. But if I didn't know him, I would have gotten the boot. So you know, this is what my prediction is. They're going to say um, there's going to be inspectors coming in, just like they were inspecting to make sure the separation was there, the plexiglass yep. was in place, the kitchen was going to protocols. They would just walk in, and they are belligerent. Uh, they are more belligerent than any cop working any beat, mm-hmm. and they're trying to catch you, trying to find you. But I how guarantee do you, you regulate that. This, mean, what I, this is what I foresee. They're going to have these regulated with taxpayer dollars, have them flooding into bars. Excuse me, do you have a you have a card with you? Almost like ID, and you go, yeah, well, I'm vaccinated. Well, I need proof that you don't have it. Find the manager, find the owner. Create more angst in this country. What a country. great use of taxpayer dollars. But that's what they're going to do. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I, I just I just keep on thinking about what Scott Gottlieb said like two weeks ago. He was like, you know, the Delta variant, we are farther along than uh, many doctors think we are. I tr- I, and I trust what Scott Gottlieb says. I think he's great. Um, and uh, he said this, we're almost over the hump. So we're putting, we're freaking out, putting all of these mandates in place. This is going to be over by the end of September. Cut eight. Let's listen to it, Matt. The models that I trust, the modelers who have been correct, show that Delta will peak in the next few weeks, and then we'll see a decline beginning at the end of August or in early September. That wasn't even planned. I didn't even know you had that. Cut. Right. And that wasn't golly. That was Dr. Marty McCory who echoed the same thing. Yeah. But I pulled the cut a couple of weeks ago. They said, you know how you know? Look at India. Look at England. Okay. Yeah. 
That's exactly what happened. Same Delta variant. <laughs> so true. why can't someone say that? Instead of, this is about the unvaccinated. And 99% chance you're going to get it. Well, well, the one thing is pretty clear uh, is that the vaccinated can get it. It's a bad cold. Ask Lindsey Graham. I talked to him on Monday. Exactly. He's and like, he's it's fine. a cold. It's yeah. a bad cold. I'm glad I got vaccinated. But you, it breaks through. Absolutely. No, and it's not just Republicans who aren't getting vaccinated. You look at the New York numbers. It's, it's a racial thing, too. Uh, there is a hesitancy among black people to get vaccinated. Some Hispanic people, Asian people have gotten vaccinated the most. And healthcare workers. Yep, that's Thanks, right. Carly. See? It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're very excited to say that we're going to be joined by Seth Barron. Seth Barron's a managing editor of The American Mind, author of the book, The Last Days of New York, a reporter's true tale. I want to go inside New York, find out what the governor was like, find out what he was like when he was uh, attorney general. Uh, Seth knows. He watched the rise of Cuomo. He's covered two of them now and watching, hopefully, the end of uh, the Cuomo era everywhere. We'll get Seth's take on that. And Dr. Mark Siegel at the bottom of the hour. This variant. Could it really be going away two into three weeks? That's what happened in India. That's what happened in England. Let's go to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If he was not such a narcissist and he actually could think about other human beings, he would say, hey, you know what? I'm doing a lot of damage at this point. It's time to go. Just get the hell out of the way. Mayor de Blasio relishing the demise of Governor Cuomo. He lounges, by the way, at poolside with the New York Post getting the exclusive pictures while they fight about his impeachment. Despite calls from President Biden and Speaker Pelosi for him to resign, it looks like he won't. Number two. And I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now. So if I end up spending 200000 you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up. And defunding the police has to happen. And put that money into social safety nets. Wow. Uh, future, present, and the current state of the Democratic Party, as you just heard Cori Bush, in front uh, and anything but center as Harris's star dims the vice president. A moderate voice is getting primaried by an aspiring squatter, and the defund the police mantra comes back again from the mouth of one of their biggest voices. Still deny it to Democratic staple Joe Biden? Number one. These immigrants are here based on the laws of our nation, legally seeking asylum, and it's the federal government's responsibility to care for them. And I'm extremely disappointed that we've received absolutely zero communication with them. Richard Cortez, the mayor, Hildago, excuse me, Hildago County judge, a Democrat, breaking point between the COVID cases, apprehensions of bordering towns, and throwing up 10 cities across Texas, a daily high of 800 accompanied kids crossed the border on Wednesday alone, another 5,000 spotted under a bridge. If the federal government does not act soon, the border will break. But is that the goal? Don't tell me you care about Americans and America and allow this to happen. And that goes to everyone at the White House. Well, now back to the story we started with. Seth Barron joins us now, managing editor of The American Mind, author of the book, You Gotta Get, The Last Days of New York, A Reporter's True Tale. Seth, welcome. No, thank you, Brian. I'm glad to be here. Seth, why is... Does it surprise you Governor Cuomo is holding on? 
No, not really. I mean, Governor Cuomo is, I mean, look, de Blasio's right. Uh, Cuomo is a massive narcissist. He has an ego the size of the state. And, uh, you know, he, look, he, he, from his perspective, he got through this already a few months ago. This came out, it was a big news, and then it, um, it faded away. So he's going to be dragged kicking and screaming at, out of the executive mansion. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's not going to go. I think the writing is definitely on the wall. He's the only one who can't read it. Why do you think he's going to go? I mean, I saw every Democrat, 80-plus, in the Assembly say we're, we're going to vote to impeach him. And now it's taking a long time for, it looks like, uh, them to come up with the actual impeachment articles. And time works for, you guessed it, Governor Cuomo. Well, I mean, I would agree with that. And I, I, I thought so for a while. But I don't know. At this point, if you've got the president of the United States, the, the leader of the party, you've got his own top aides, Jay Jacobs, the head of the, the state Democratic Party, who was installed by Cuomo, an old old time ally. Uh, everybody's saying so. It, it would just be um, it's it, it's kind of unprecedented for someone to withstand that kind of pressure. But look, you could be right. Maybe he's going to just 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 go, you know, push through this. Um, at, at which point they really will have to impeach him, and that could be just a total disaster. Well, this guy, Carl Hasty, he's the speaker. He, uh, they had an emergency meeting. He calls on Cuomo to resign. He should address the attorney general's findings. So we know that he says yesterday he's going to – he looks forward to participating in the impeachment inquest, and he's going to supply his own point of view. So – and doesn't like – seems like Carl Hasty is the one who's slowing everything down. Well, Carl, he's a, a, a big uh, supporter of the governor and their long longtime allies. So, look, everybody's in a tough position, but they've kind of painted themselves into a corner. They've demanded that he leave. They've demanded that he be impeached. So, well, they're the guys who have to do it. Uh, look, the state is the one who's suffering the most. The people of New York, they've been suffering under Cuomo for you know almost 12 years now. Uh, you know, the nation's had to deal with this guy since the 90s. Um, he's insufferable. He's a total egomaniac. He tortured everybody with his ridiculous briefings all the time. Somehow the entire country got behind it because, uh, you know, the, the entire media got behind it because they hated Trump so much. They needed they needed someone to make the hero. Unfortunately, he believes his own press. He reads his own press, his own clippings all the time. And he thought that it was really about him. Um, you know, now he's having to pay the piper. It's it, it, it's a truly grotesque situation, Brian. Tell us who. Tell us what it was like. Scandal before, prior to the pandemic, uh, before these series of scandals uh, were unearthed. Tell me what kind of governor he was. I mean, he was just a, 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 like the same sort of thing. He was an egomaniac. Look, I'm no fan of De Blasio, but Cuomo would go out of his way to embarrass the guy, and you know, bigfoot him at every step. I mean, Cuomo's the sort of guy he. When they rebuilt the Kosciuszko Bridge, which is just really an overpass connecting Brooklyn and Queens, he restored uh, FDR's 1932 Packard limousine so he could drive himself across the bridge. He did the same thing with the, the, the new Tappan Zee Bridge, which he named after his father. Everything with this guy is like a grandiose, uh, you know, megalomaniac endeavor. Uh, he totally destroyed upstate New York. He poured billions of dollars into absurd economic development schemes like 
He wanted to turn Buffalo into the nation's solar energy center, which makes no sense. He wanted to make Syracuse a, like a Hollywood-style film hub. He banned fracking upstate. He's raised taxes. He passed criminal justice reform that is destroying the city. I mean, he's as bad as de Blasio, even though he tried to pretend that he was the moderate, you know, sort of holding back the tide of leftist, uh, you know, chaos. But he's really been facilitating it. But let's talk about the Buffalo Project. How much did that cost? And isn't someone in jail because of this? Yes. Uh, Joe Prococo, who was... uh, who Cuomo called his father's third son, was his closest aide, his closest advisor for years, decades. Uh, yes, Prococo went to jail for graft, skimming money. Look, the Buffalo Project, what he called the Buffalo Billions, and he meant that in a good way. They poured money into building a, a solar city, which was supposed to be a solar panel factory, that Elon Musk wound up buying. I mean, it was for Elon Musk. He got it a, a sweetheart deal. It's, um, you know, the uh, one thing after another of shuffling money around through, you know, these these entities, these state entities like the dormitory authority over which he has complete control. And, uh, you know, money is just it's just wasted. And he, he started a New York works program that was, you know, he touted very highly. It wound up you know, maybe starting 140 new jobs at the cost of hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, it's been it's been a disaster for upstate and for the whole state, frankly. So Letitia James, she comes out and she looked pained in making these statements. But obviously all 11 accusers when it comes to sexual harassment, they looks like their stories were verified and the veracity of which is no longer questioned. And. Was she uh, was she mentored by Governor Cuomo? I mean, Governor Cuomo is going to paint her as somebody whose ambition is playing a role here. Look, she was put into that position uh, after Eric Schneiderman, her predecessor, was revealed to be a, a sexual deviant who beat up women, uh, and he had to step down. That was an open secret in, in New York circles, by the way. Um, then it, it, Letitia James was essentially installed in the job by Cuomo. She's been a Cuomo uh, protege. She's really done nothing with the job. And yeah, sure, she's ambitious, um, but she doesn't really know what to do. Um, She's had the most powerful attorney generalship in the country for over a year now. All she did was promise to go after Trump. I mean, that's been her main thing. Uh, So now she doesn't really know what to do. I mean, it's kind of like a dog chasing a car like it wouldn't know what to do with it once it catches it so she's um look she probably wants to be governor but i don't think she wanted to do it this way it, it puts her too too harshly in the spotlight right. see what i don't understand seth you know this what's going on in this country the me too movement was front and center but never left how can you possibly be a democrat have 11 women have their verify harassment verified to different degrees is he going to go after each one of their credibility individually? He's going to go after the attorney general. She, she just wants my job. All women. I mean, really? I mean, what is he going to do? And then he's going to say uh, his chief of staff, DeRosa, was really his henchman berating people into doing what she wants them to do, threatening them if they didn't. I mean, how, well, is, how is he going to handle this? You, you couldn't make it up. This is the guy who founded the bogus Women's Equality Party who signed the Agenda Act. This is the 
the supposed champion of women's rights who 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 constantly would just talk about the praise the me too movement and say that we had to believe women and all of that stuff uh so it it it, it beggars belief that this is his strategy, but I guess that's what he's going to do. Tell me the significance of this. Uh, Judith Mogul, his special counsel, has handed in her resignation. Uh, she resigned this week. On Wednesday, he lost the support of key labor leaders, uh, Jay, Jay Jacobs, chairman of the state's Democratic Party. He's also lost uh, uh, the support of a union that represents health care workers and a major fundraising platform for liberal politicians, saying it would no longer process campaign donations for him. So this makes me think, I mean, how do you even run for election or finish the job when you literally have nobody in your party to do anything for you, and we happen to be in a pandemic. My worry, and tell me if if this is valid, is he's going to say, wow, we're in an emergency, this variant's for real, we're going to have to tell all these kids they got to wear masks, we're going to talk about this, uh, we're going to have a vaccine mandate for everybody who wants to do anything. He's going to take over all this and act like it's an emergency. I can't worry about my political fortunes. I, I mean, look, he could try that. Uh, I'm not so sure it would it would swing. I mean, look, we're—, we're he, he's a governor. He's not a president. He doesn't have an army. He doesn't have a central bank. Um, I, I, this is this is why I think he's going to wind up leaving because he has everybody turned against him. Uh, yes, he is the governor, but a governor leads New York by, you know, through 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 influence and by wielding levers of power. It's not it's not that you know, an influence. It's not that he can just you know call out the army. So with all the with all these defections, it, it just seems it just seems impossible. I can't see how he can go on. Uh, Seth Barron with us, managing editor of American Mind, but more importantly, knows New York's been covering it forever. And his book is excellent. The Last Days of New York, a reporter's true tale. He knew this stuff before it became front and center, before ever, Governor Cuomo became so-called America's governor, who everybody wanted to run as uh, the vice presidential nominee. But the problem was he was a man and he's white. And we all know what a problem both those things are today. Seth, the other thing is, what does this leave? If he does leave, who's next? Some say the whole state goes more left. Oh, I, I think that's probably going to happen. Well, if he leaves, we're going to have his lieutenant governor, who's a nice lady, but basically a cipher. Uh, and the legislature is going to, to completely dominate the state. They're going to put in all kinds of, you know, it seems like they're radical enough already, but there's plenty that they would like to do that they haven't been able to yet. Uh, Voting for illegal immigrants, higher taxes, statewide single-payer health insurance, uh, you know, a permanent moratorium on evictions. These are all the sorts of things they want to do. Um, The the primary next year is going to be lunacy. de Blasio is going to run. Jumani Williams, the, 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 the crazy public advocate, is going to run. Tish James is going to run. You're going to have all kinds of people coming out of the woodwork to run. Um, yes, I think the state is going to lurch left. I think they, they see, you know, California isn't good enough. I think they're looking at Venezuela as like the model for what New York State should, should be in terms of leadership. What about Lee Zeldin? Do you give him a shot? Uh, you know, Lee Zeldin, um, he's, he's been a good congressman. Supposedly, uh, Andrew Giuliani is out polling him, um, which is surprising. But Lee Zeldin kind of is a little personality deficient, from what I understand. 
Yeah, get to know him. I don't think I think he's going to be very good one on one. He's got the, uh, the military background. He also won a purple state. Big Trump supporter, which will help him outside New York City. And I also think that he's got the American. I think he's got the New York Jewish community listening because of his uh, because of his heritage and background and loyalty to Israel. We'll see what happens, Seth. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll always love talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. You can follow Seth at Seth Barron NYC and pick up his book, The Last Days of New York. He knew about this before we all knew about this. Back in a moment with your calls. 1-866-408-7669. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This is Charlotte. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I am ready. You don't know that song? No. Before your time. It's before my time, but I, I appreciated the singing. Do you love me? Do you really <laughs> love me? Do you love me? Do you care? I'll have to listen now. Yep. So that was a little scary and crazy. It's so creepy. Who released that? I think she recorded it. She recorded it? Wow. Uh, So that's a little of his personal life. He's telling other people he's lonely and wants to be touched. I'm not sure about uh, what women would turn on for women or turn offs. I'm pretty sure that would be a turn off. Yeah, but here's my question, which it's not out there. I mean, if he had all of these attempts right, with so many accusers, how many people actually said yes? And are there consensual relationships that uh, are out there? That the, but there was then a power dynamic, but they haven't come forward. And the question is, he's single now. Was there things going on when he had his uh, live-in? Mm-hmm, Sandra Lee. Sandra Lee was extremely nice. Been on the show a number of times. I so thought she was great. Uh, but was always told before you go on, don't ever bring up the governor. Right. And you listened? Why did I? I know. You're not a rule follower. <laughs> Al, look, Al, you're on WABC. Hey, Al. Hey, Brian, I'm a big fan. I just want to make a point. I've gone to so many different events all the time, these dinners. The governor goes to these fundraisers all the time. You mean to tell me he couldn't walk over to an age-appropriate woman, say, between 45 and 65, and say hello? He could have met so many women that would have wanted to go to the governor. Why has he got to pick a 22-year-old? A lot of them. I mean, not only that, it's just the way he did it, too. I mean, people get rejected all the time. You could do it, but then don't threaten them afterwards and don't set up a opposition research plan if they tried to come out against you. It's it's incredible, uh, Al. It's just because people can't see around the corner. Uh, they feel impervious. And him with his Emmy Award and his best-selling book and his $5 million advance felt as though the next thing for him was the White House. Because everyone knows Kamala Harris is not uh, White House worthy. Why not him? Now anyone but him on the left. Maybe Cory Bush would have a better chance. Back in a moment, Dr. Mark Siegel. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
Can't get enough of Brian? Come see him live on stage with Dana Perino for an evening of laughs and lively conversation. Laughter, life, and the joy of liberty. Saturday, September 25th at the Paramount Theater in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Go to briankillmeat.com to get your tickets now. The models that I trust, the modelers who have been correct, show that Delta will peak in the next few weeks and then we'll see a decline beginning at the end of August or in early September. McCarry, and he was citing what happened in England and what, and what happened in India. They saw the big spike and then the big turnaround. Now, keep in mind, too, uh, the timing of the U.K. variant is interesting because they were opening up. And as they were opening up, the variant was hitting and they still kept opening up. And now they've gotten to the other side of it. Does Dr. Mark Siegel agree? He's Fox News' medical contributor, author of a book uh, called COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. Dr. Siegel, welcome back. Do you agree with Dr. Macari on this? Well, I, I view it a bit differently, but I certainly agree with the conclusion. I think that we're probably going to head out of this thing uh, in September. And, and I'll tell you why. In, in India, it's because a lot of people got covid and, and they developed antibodies and they developed immunity, and that slowed it down. In the U.K., it's probably because there was a huge ramp-up, Brian, of vaccination. And you can do it either way. And one thing Dr. McCary has done that I agree with is he and I both have put a spotlight on the fact that natural immunity is being ignored here, meaning that if you get COVID and you get over it and you get antibodies, it protects you. And that's a huge oversight on the part of the Biden administration to only talk about vaccines and not talk about people with antibodies from from COVID that I may not even want to get the vaccine yet. So that helps to slow down the Delta variant. One thing I do want to add, though, is that there's a lot of people out there that are vulnerable that haven't been vaccinated and haven't had COVID that we need to get the shot. That's really, really important. We want to follow the UK model rather than the India model. Let's get out of this thing by getting more and more people vaccinated. And yes, I think it will go down by the fall. What percentage that you know of or numbers that you might trust, or if you want to ballpark it, if the CDC hasn't done it yet, uh, are breakthrough, well, breakthrough cases like that Lindsey Graham got fully vaccinated early on. He said, I called and talked to him Monday. He said, it's like a cold. Well, so that's that's another thing that's been mismessaged. You know, maybe we'd have a lot lot less anxiety in this country if everything wasn't mismessaged. Everything. Breakthrough infections are just the way you just described them, which is, Brian, you get a vaccine and, you know, maybe you get a cold. I mean, the, the vaccine has two main purposes. One, to decrease severe infection and hospitalization. It's almost 100% effective at that, an enormous home run. Second, to decrease spread to those around you who might be at risk, and that's not being emphasized enough. But the breakthrough infection is getting way more attention than it deserves. What we need to do is focus more on the fact that most people hospitalized, almost all, weren't vaccinated or didn't have immunity from prior infection, as I keep adding. So that's why you're not going to get people vaccinated Vaccinated. If you keep showing cases like Lindsey Graham, who has a cold and calling it a breakthrough, I'd rather just call it a cold. Right. Uh, so, you know, he is very pro-vaccine. So that's correct. Yeah. So he's not coming out against it. And he said, right. You know, but he was little, he was with Joe Manchin on that boat uh, where they were talking about this bipartisan infrastructure deal on Joe Manchin's houseboat. And he came up positive. So with all those lawmakers there, they wonder, uh oh, but two weeks. Uh, this is the two week stat. Hospitalizations are up 82%. Cases are up 119%. Deaths are up 74%. But that's just 439. I mean, Adam, we're looking at, we have over 600,000 deaths. 439 is very low. 
uh, in proportion to this. So when you look at the Delta variant, why is it so effective uh, right now? Why is it so uh, easily spread? By the way, I, this is what I love about you, that you always have the stats exactly right and at your fingertips. The Delta variant is tilting younger. Why? Because over 80% of the elderly population is fully vaccinated in the United States. So every time we talked about high-risk groups before, we meant it. But again, administration moving the goalposts, now not talking about the fact that the people that are getting COVID tend to be younger, tend not to be as sick. You could talk about the hospitalization rate going up, but the numbers themselves are way lower than when we had the huge onslaught last winter. And the reason is because they're healthier people. So the Delta variant itself, the thing that really demarcates it is that it spreads widely. It, it spreads much more easily and you get a lot of it in your nose, which by the way, is the reason I'm not so sure masks help that much. I'm okay with masks and I recommend masks and I wear masks, but with the Delta variant, I have a feeling it spreads anyway, regardless of the mask. And the thing that really, really helps the most again is the vaccine. So I think we're seeing overall much milder cases than we saw before, and that's, it's really more, more like a flu now in most cases, and that's another headline that fear mongers are not going to spread. Right. A uh, couple of things. Oh, yeah. Do you want to expand on that a little bit, like why it would be easier to spread and why a mask might not be uh, the best thing? I guess you would separate that from an N95 mask. Correct, Brian. N95 is fit tested. We literally check it for leaks before we stick it on our faces. But if you saw me in one of these moon gowns, you're going to say that a two-year-old is never going to be able to wear this, and you're absolutely right. But when, when, when we're talking about those cloth masks, the porous masks that people wear on their chin or flopping on their face, it was only found to be about 20% effective at preventing spread with the original variant. But this variant is a thousand times more viral particles. And guess what? The more viral particles, the more there are to escape the mask. So I'm not, you know, the, the mask has become a pseudo-religion for the left. It's a pseudo-religion or even a religion. I mean, it's like, it's almost like muzzling people. Let's muzzle you down with the mask as though if you wear a mask, you're invulnerable. And if you don't, you're a fool. Well, none of, neither is true. It's not, it's not completely protective. It offers a some degree of protection, I think much less with the Delta variant. How come we don't talk about therapeutics? For example, we hear people get hospitalized. Well, what happens? Are you using hydroxychloroquine? Are you using remdesivir? Are you using um, the, uh, the other one? Uh, ever the Regeneron and the Lilly product, the antibodies against the virus, yeah. are an enormous home run developed under the uh, Trump administration that got no credit. It changed the playing field using steroids in the hospital, as you just said. That's helped a lot. Remdesivir, not as much. I think the antibodies are, are the game changer. But now we're working on small molecules like something called a protease inhibitor like we use for HIV. Within the next several months, we're going to have a pill that we can just take if you get COVID, more, somewhat like Tamiflu. We're going to have that. Now, I can't tell you September, October, November. I think it's going to be early 2022 we're going to have that, and that's another game changer. So what do you say to uh, people in Florida who have seen more kids in hospitals and in New Orleans? I'll give you a quote. Um, here's uh, Dr. Mark Klein. He says, I've never seen anything like it. We're seeing children fall ill that we simply did not see in the first year of the pandemic before the Delta variant came along. In Orlando, at Arnold Palmer Hospital, quote, the last two weeks, cases have continued to increase. I don't think we have reached our peak yet. 
So they're seeing kids there. Is it primarily because the seniors, 85 percent, have been vaccinated? Or is there something about with something about kids that now are a welcome host? It's both. The first issue is that you take off the table the elderly. And the Moderna shot, by the way, was just shown to be completely effective at six months. Pfizer, we're a little concerned about the Israel data that it could be diminishing somewhat. So, in other words, seniors may be looking at a booster in a few months. But in the meantime, the vaccine has changed it. The target is now younger people. The issue is that before younger people didn't get sick because the virus didn't attach itself to receptors in their noses as easily. The virus itself overcame that by mutating. So now early in the course of the illness, you got a lot more virus in your nose. So you're seeing more infections and more spread among younger people, which again can easily be overcome by teens taking the vaccine. I don't think it's a huge, huge game change though, though, by the way, Brian, I mean, kids are getting it more and they're getting sicker teens, but not, not to a massive degree that we saw with the elderly in the beginning. It's enough of a, of a concern so that I'm saying, now I'm saying, I'm not on the fence on this. I'm saying that I want the 12 to 17-year-olds to get vaccinated. All right, now, how do you feel about what Italy's doing? They're giving people, they're telling people, get a vaccination card or you don't go to, you don't fly, you don't take a train, you don't go to a theater, you don't go to a, you don't go to a restaurant. Uh, do you think, are you comfortable with that as an American? Are you comfortable with that as a doctor? I'm not comfortable with that as an American. I'm not comfortable with that as a doctor for different reasons. First of all, I don't want the government doing this. If a, if a, if a particular airline wants to have a policy or a small business, fine. But it, we're, we're a country of free enterprise. We're a very unique combination, as you know and say every day, of, 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 of a great capitalistic system and a government that's not supposed to take away our personal freedoms. But I am aware that we're talking about spread here of a potentially dangerous of, of a dangerous virus, and 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 here here's the problem from a doctor point of view. I already said it. What if you had COVID and you have antibodies? Should I be punishing you and marginalizing you and ostracizing you by demanding a vaccine card? What if you had the first dose of the vaccine? And you can't take the second because you had a severe side effect, but you got a substantial immunity off the first. Should you, be, should you not be allowed in? And then, here's the most important thing. If I'm going to allow exemptions, which because we have to allow medical and religious exemptions, people that we don't want to have the shot, or people that it's against their basic beliefs, you know, I mean, we're talking First Amendment here, then you're going to end up with a pool of people that are not as vaccinated as you want, and the whole purpose of decreasing spread won't won't occur. So it ends up being a government tool. I'm okay with the private businesses doing it. I'm not okay with the government doing it. Very interesting. Uh, so one thing that I always feel is that you should go, I would always go to a doctor for a medical decision. Little things like, for example, a sinus infection. Should you go back to school? Well, find out if the doctor says you're contagious or not. Why do people feel as though that are not in the medical profession, they should be giving advice like this when it comes? Why should politicians be giving a medical advice? They shouldn't. It's one of the biggest problems with this whole pandemic. You know, that's why it's so disingenuous for President Biden to say he's leaving it to the scientists. Well, the scientists are immediately. Have you noticed that when the scientists speak, the press secretary speaks right after and tries to reframe everything the scientist says? I mean, of course, you want physicians to be talking about this. Physicians who have an experience 
treating pandemics, understanding pandemics. I've been studying it for 20 years. I've been studying vaccines for 20 years. You want people to talk to you who actually on the day-to-day are faced with people that are troubled. You know, Brian, you know what someone told me that's an expert on vaccine hesitancy? The number one problem is that people are emotional and they have fear. And you have to talk to their fear. You can't talk down to them. Hey, President Biden, there's no such thing as the word misinformation. You know what, mean, you know what it means when you say someone's misinformed? It means you know all and they know nothing. That is a really bad way to approach this. Better to say to the person, what are your concerns? Why are you worried? Why aren't you taking the vaccine? Rather than trying to show from some pedestal that you know and they don't. Dr. Mark Siegel with us. Dr. Siegel, lastly. If you're not vaccinated or you are vaccinated, how does that affect what happens with the virus? Some are postulating on the outside that if you're not vaccinated, it allows the virus to mutate and we get these variants. Does one have anything to do with the other? They are related, but not the vaccine doesn't usually spin out the variants we worry about. So it's not like you got a vaccine-induced variant that's causing spread. In India, we got the Delta variant. By the way, Brian, we're doing an enormous disservice calling it the Delta variant because people then re- don't remember where it came from. And it's very significant that it came from India because India is a country that's poorly vaccinated. So what happens is usually the virus lives inside an immunocompromised host. It doesn't kill the person, but if it's there long enough and you can't get rid of it, it has plenty of time to mutate. So it's unvaccinated, immunocompromised people that usually spin out these variants. The more people that are vaccinated, the less you're going to see them. So we have to get the vaccines to the rest of the world. But by the way, last point, the WHO is a disgrace that they that they hit this pandemic from the world. And now they're out there saying we should give our vaccines to the rest of the world. We we're going to need boosters here. We can do both. We can do both like we did with PEPFAR under President Bush. We can we can help our own country and we can we can help the rest of the world at the same time. We're very good at that. Yeah, that would that would certainly help. And we'll we'll have to see uh, where this all goes. But you are predicting in the next few weeks the variant will die and hopefully uh, these districts will allow kids to go to school without masks with those numbers uh, stay down. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. The numbers are going to go down and the schools better stay open. Let's get the politics out of this. We need the schools open before we damage our kids further. All right. Dr. Mark Siegel, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Always a pleasure. Yeah, his book is excellent. It's called The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. And it's all about COVID. Back in a moment with your calls. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, I'm telling you right now, it's getting sticky out there. It's getting real sticky out there. Follow all the rules. Make your own rules up, too. On just You can't be safe enough. You can't be cautious enough. Keep your space. Keep your distance. Uh, please feel free to wear the masks at the concert. Nobody's going to look at you strange, I promise. 
Uh, there you go. Garth Brooks, uh, like a lot of performers, was shelved for a year, almost every performer in the world. And now he wants to get back. Now he sees his variant rise ahead of a planned August 7th concert in Kansas City coming up. Uh, Brooks spoke to fans via Inside Studio G Facebook series. Uh, follow all the rules. Make up your own rules. He also encouraged concert girls to wear, concert girls to wear a mask. Would you go to a concert wearing a mask or would you just say, give me my money back? Well, he said, don't feel, he said, if you, it makes you more comfortable to wear a mask, wear a mask. No one's going to look at you funny. He didn't say you have to. Um, Next. Yeah. Find out if cool. there's more to know. Yep, there you go. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Jennifer Aniston is doubling down on her decision to cut a few people from her life after their stance on COVID-19. Uh, the Friends alumni took to Instagram Thursday not only to share a pro-vaccine message, but also defend her choice. Quote, if uh, Jennifer vaccinated, she's protected, correct? Why is she worried about others being vaccinated? That according to others who want to be critical of her. And as to explain, but if, you're the, if you have the variant, you are still able to give it to me, referring to the breakthrough cases of COVID-19. Quote, I may get slightly sick, but I will not be admitted to a hospital or die, the cake star said. She's star of cake. It was but a I, movie. Uh, okay. But I can give it to someone who does not have the vaccine who's held this compromise. What's she even talking about? It's, Next. Yeah. Well, what, what do you say? Did, I'm it's just, ridiculous. It's just get off your high horse. Let people, if you're vaccinated, you're fine. I just hope that Jennifer will continue to call me. <laughs> <laughs> Manny Pacquiao, not interested in Jake Paul, the fight. He's open to a May, Mayweather rematch. Let's listen to one of the best boxers ever. Talk to TMZ. Would you fight a YouTuber, for instance, like Jake Paul? No, I will not. You don't want to do it? I will not. I will. I want to fight the best to add into my legacy. Right. And he said Mayweather will be in for it. It'll be a boring fight. And I just hope Pacquiao is healthy next time they fight, but he might be too old. Next. The New England Patriots are beg- are helping 30,000 kids and military families prepare for the next school year. The team is doing a huge giveaway with backpack stuff with supplies. Josh Kraft, the president of Kraft uh, Family Phil- Philanthropies, is pumped to give back to the community. Uh, military f- children, he said, often face mo- uh, moving multiple times and change schools multiple times. We're proud to be a partner with the Patriots. What's bad about that? Nothing. It's have you ever done backpacks? They're fun. I do one each year. You you know you get a supply list. You supply a backpack for a kid in need. Wow, not, it's not cheap though, by w- the time you supply it. I will do that next year. Just real quick, if you are like me and use plant based meat, uh, it is rising thirty two percent. A lot of people are getting off meat these days. Are you? I still enjoy my meat, but I know you've been off it for a while. Right, but a lot of the stuff is not edible. Some of them are good. The Beyond Burgers are now one of your favorite. Beyond Meat share uh, dropped 4% to 117, though, during trading hours. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This hour, we're going to be joined by Fox Business's own Susan Lee to break down the huge job number 940,000 jobs added, unemployment drops to five point something percent. So that's good. It makes you wonder why we need rental relief, why we need student loan debt relief, why we need to supplemental unemployment relief, because the jobs are coming back. We're almost at pre pandemic levels. Now, 
Joe Biden's president, and he wants to take credit for the 943,000 jobs. That's fine. You could do that. But everybody knows the reason why we get all these jobs back is because we lost them all intentionally because of the pandemic, which has taken forever for these Democrats to reopen up their states. And now that they finally reopened, we get hit with a variant. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If he was not such a narcissist and he actually could think about other human beings, he would say, hey, you know what? I'm doing a lot of damage at this point. It's time to go. Just get the hell out of the way. Uh, That is uh, Mayor de Blasio, of course, talking about Governor Cuomo. He lounges by his pool while pledging to fight impeachment, despite calls from President Biden, Speaker Pelosi, and almost every other so-called ally in his party to just resign. Where he goes from here next. Number two. And I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now. So if I end up spending 200000 you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up. And defunding the police has to happen. And put that money into social safety nets. Future, present, and current state of the Democratic Party is front in anything but center. As Harris star dims as vice president, a moderate voice is getting primaried by an aspiring squatter in Henry Cuellar. And the defund the police mantra comes back from the mouth of one of their biggest voices, Cori Bush. Still deny it's a Democratic staple, Joe Biden? Number one. These immigrants are here based on the laws of our nation, legally seeking asylum. It is the federal government's responsibility to care for them. And I'm extremely disappointed that we've received absolutely zero communication with them. Here we go. Breaking point between the COVID cases, apprehensions of bordering towns and throwing up 10 cities across Texas. A daily high of 800 unaccompanied minors Wednesday alone and another 5,000 spotted under a bridge. If the federal government does not act soon, the border will break. But is that the goal? Don't tell me you care about Americans and about America and allow this to happen. In my view, this is. And where is Andrea Mitchell? Where is Martha Raddatz? Uh, where is Chuck Todd? Why aren't they getting on their jean shirt and going to the border and walking around and knocking on a few tents and see if someone will let you in to find out the real story? Because it is the real story. What is more important than over a million people invading America? Those are not counting the gotaways or never knew they were away or never knew they were coming across. Shannon Bream joins us now, Fox News legal analyst, anchor of Fox News. She's been all over the channel this week. But yet, upon review, according to reports, my sources say that this is the spot she looks forward to most. She's the same author of The Woman of the Bible Speak. Shannon, how are my sources? Uh, They're excellent. I can confirm this 11 a.m. Eastern radio hit every Friday is a highlight of my professional week. Right. I feel bad for your nighttime viewers. Well, that's that's a different day, though, you know, because I say, well, this is my favorite thing on Friday. But really, when the show goes on tonight, it's Saturday. So. All right. Technically. Very good point. So let's talk about this for the for the last month or so. We've kind of laughed at at the fact that Joe Biden was trying to say, I never said to fund the police. My party doesn't want to fund the police. It's Republicans that are not funding the police because we have so much extra (laughs) money. These Republican governors aren't refurbishing and replenishing their coffers and buying uh, more police uniforms. And then this happened. Cut 15. 
I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives. Right. Uh, nobody will be in the net uh, because we'll all be dead without police. Mm. What does that do to the Democratic Party? Listen, it's got to be such a headache for them because they keep saying and the White House keeps saying and the president keeps saying, well, I've never said to fund the police. The party's not about that. You remember um, when the president came back from I think it was a town hall a couple weeks ago. And I remember it was very late because it was around the time of our show that he was asked uh, after he landed at the White House. What about this defund the police thing? And, and yeah. you know, Democrats who've said defund the police and have this bizarre answer like, well, what about Republicans eating children for dinner or something? Like very nuts. crazy referring to like QAnon, kind of equating the thought that anybody who's saying Democrats want to defund the police is the same thing that saying all Republicans are QAnon, you know, whatever weirdos, child sacrificers. I don't know. But that's not the case. You have a sitting congresswoman, and she is not alone, come out and say, listen, you and I talked about this on Outnumber yesterday. Of course we agree any member of Congress should be protected 24-7, especially when they have specific threats. It's not about that. It's about the fact that you know the 51 people shot in Chicago last weekend don't have private security. Uh, the fact that voters in Detroit said 9 to 1 they'd feel safer if there were more cops out on the street protecting them. People in real neighborhoods and real life cannot afford security. And for them, that's what the police are. Yeah, I want you to hear. For some people want to say, well, Cori Bush, she's just a freshman congresswoman. No one listens to her. Wrong. You praised her 24 hours earlier by single-handedly keeping in the Mm -hmm. rent moratorium because she slept on the steps to do it. She's got the loudest voice and huge social media following, so can't marginalize her. You just praised her. Here's what Dan Crenshaw said, cut 19, Congressman Texas. We have to do away with this notion that that the Democrats are not this radical party. They are a radical party. This isn't some fringe activist that, that you just played on TV. That was a Democrat member of Congress and a very popular one at that. All right, member of the squad. They have the highest social media following. They have real influence into the Democrat Party. Defunding the police is not just some radical talking point. It's happened across the country. You- and in American cities, murders have gone up 33 percent this year. It's because of defunding the police. It's because of— the this sort of social justice bail reform where they're letting criminal, criminals out on bail instead of putting them in jail. And our communities are being killed and hurt. And she doesn't seem to care. Now, that's going to ripple through the party, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you point out rightly that she was the leader of the idea of continuing the eviction ban that the president himself stood up and said, Well, a lot of people tell me it's not legal. It probably isn't, but I'm going to do it anyway through the executive branch. The CDC now apparently has control over private property in this country. Um, You know, she isn't someone that is not in the spotlight or the main, um, you know, thrust of what's happening in the party. If, If nothing else, she has enormous influence over what the White House does and is willing to do. So I don't think that you can say she's some backbencher that nobody cares about. No, she has a very yeah. strong voice and following. And um, like you said, I mean, she's the, one of the reasons that the White House stood up and said, we're going to do something we think is probably not legal, but we're going to do it anyway and see how long we can get away with it. 
Understood. Uh, so I want to bring you to uh, just uh, on this. I want to tap into your legal knowledge if I could. Here's President Biden talking about what he did, extending the rent moratorium, destroying landlords who aren't rich necessarily. They made an investment to make a living, to buy a building, to buy a house, to rent out a basement. And now they find themselves without revenue and a squatter. Some are eating, eating sub, subletting this. Uh, while getting new cars with the money they no longer have to spend on rent. Cut 44. I've sought out constitutional scholars to determine what is the best possibility that would come from executive action or the CDC's judgment. What could they do that was most likely to pass muster constitutionally? The bulk of the constitutional scholarship says that it's not likely to pass constitutional muster, number one. But there are several key scholars who think that it may, and it's worth the effort. Lawrence Tribe is one. Is it worth it? You're my scholar, Shannon. Well, listen, the Supreme Court has already kind of signaled what they would do on this. I mean, there was a 5-4 decision that Justice Kavanaugh went with the other four to allow this eviction ban to continue, but it was set to expire July 31st. And he said in his writing, listen, we can't extend beyond this unless Congress acts. There's legislative action. That did not happen. There was action by the executive branch. So you got to think if this thing ends up back at SCOTUS, if Justice Kavanaugh sticks to his position for the last time, They're going to lose. The Supreme Court has already signaled exactly how it feels about this. So they know that it will take time to litigate it. Um, But there are already cases that are in the pipeline, and there are emergency appeals that can go directly to the Supreme Court. And I would expect that to happen because, again, people may think about landlords. They may think about big property-owning companies. But like you said, the vast majority of people with some kind of investment property or rental, they maybe have one or two or a house they moved out of and decided to rent it to someone else. And there are billions of dollars in unpaid rent for those people now who still have bills to pay. So it's not like no one gets hurt in the process or in the equation. I mean, money isn't free. It doesn't evaporate if you don't pay your rent. Somebody else still is paying for that building. Special report. You're hosting special report tonight, right? I am on the five tonight, Brian. Oh, my goodness. So you're on the five tonight. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So watch her on the five and then have uh, Fox News at night at 12. So I want to bring you to this. This Axios story stuck out of me yesterday. Jonathan Swan worked it. No one denying it. Post picked it up. Top female Democrats uh, and Kamala Harris allies had a crisis dinner last month to strategize on the recent onslaught of negative press the VP and her office has received. The new report, the purpose of the dinner was to urgently create a plan to defend the VP. Remember, toxic work environment coming from the inside. Remember how horrible she's done at the border on voting and on, on an immigration that she's supposed to get the word out on. These are three things that she was in charge of. She's doing a terrible job on. They had Minion Moore, Donna Brazil, Leah Doherty, whoever that is, Adrian Elrod, who we know is great, Karen Finney, uh, Stephanie Cutter from the Hillary Clinton campaign, all come together and try to find out what's wrong. When are they going to realize it's the candidate, but go ahead, and the vice president herself? What do you expect to emerge from that, and doesn't that sound desperate? we got to remember, I mean, there was not a clamoring for her among the voters. I mean, she dropped out of the primaries with single digits and having very hard time doing any fundraising, those kinds of things. So for whatever reason, the, the primary voters 
didn't connect with her. They weren't excited or enamored about her. So it's not like she had some um, connection that the White House should be surprised is evaporated. It was never there. So she's gotten assignments that are very unpopular. Her team, you know, grumbles about that. They're not happy about the things that she's been given, like the border, which is an unsolvable problem uh, to a lot of people at this point. Not to me. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, but the thing is we were told before um, she was sworn in and during the campaign by a number of these women's rights groups that any uh, criticism of her would be considered sexist and or racist. So, um, you know, there's a lot there because, you know, some people are going to say that's what the criticism is about, simply that she's the first woman or the the first African-American or woman of color to be vice president. Um, But there are clearly real problems. The polling is terrible. Like I said, before she went into office, it wasn't great either. So it's going to be an uphill battle for them. No doubt about it. Governor Cuomo is going to wait it out. You saw the picture of him in the New York Post. He's once America's governor. Now he's the most uh, scandal-ridden governor in my lifetime to still hold a job. I can't even list them all and not go run over my break. So I'll just say this. Governor Cuomo is trying to put together a legal defense. Does he have one after that report that was released? And the impeachment that's imminent? Well, uh, he's got four. I should say he's got four DAs suing him in four separate counties in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And if he ends up with criminal um, indictments, that's going to be the real blow for him because you can't just blow that off. You can't say, I'm not, you know, I'm just not going to resign. You can say that. And Democrats have a lot of cover by asking him to resign because he's the only one who can decide that. It's the impeachment is the only thing. Uh, I think that will actually um, nudge him out of office because then he has no say in the matter, no choice. We've seen a number of Democrats hold on through really rocky, stormy waters, uh, and they've been able to do that. So I think he feels so insulated and so um, you know impervious because of all the fawning last year and all the people who have run to his defense, and that's actually still happening with some people, um, that I think that unless these lawmakers here at the you know state level in New York decide in a coordinated way, okay, we have to do this, um, he's not going anywhere. Uh, well, they got to impeach him, and then they got to, yeah. you know, the DA's got to uh, bring up suits against him, and their FBI is doing an investigation on him. How about this, Shannon? I never tire of saying this because I'm always amazed by it. CBS basically has moved on from the story, so have the other networks. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, yeah, they're not mean, even touching the illegal immigration story. Well, okay, but remember when Avenatti blew up, they didn't want to touch that either, and he had been on hundreds of times on these networks. So. You know, you got to be careful. I mean, it's a lesson all of us. You can't just report on the good things like Chris Cuomo did and the giant, you know, um, um, Q-tip and all the craziness and then say, but I can't cover them when the negative things happen. I mean, it seems to be the pattern when a story, you know, exposes some of their potential hypocrisy or misjudgment about something. um, They don't want to touch it when the chickens come home to roost, which is what happened with Avenatti, which is now happening with Cuomo. Um, It's an unpleasant thing for them. uh, But all of us have to cover news, whether we think it's a good or a bad thing for us personally or our network, um, when it's actual news. Go get him, Shannon Bream. We'll see you on the 5. And then on your show at 12. Go get him. Hey, when we come back, some more calls. one 408 7669 The stunning jobs report, stunningly good. But what does it mean when inflation rises faster than anyone thought and is still sticking around? And what would it do to have a $1 trillion stimulus bill in the pipeline after this? Susan Lee on that. But next, you. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. 
The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We had this transition. The Biden administration began with what was called reasoned consent in, in, in the column. That he was, he said, we'll just tell, convince people to take the vaccine. He convinced me and my family we took the vaccine. But then that sort of failed. About half the country didn't take the vaccine. So they went to induced consent. Ohio offered million-dollar lottery tickets. And now the president's offering 100 bucks if you take the shot. And that's not having a huge amount of success. So they're moving to the final stage, which is coerced consent. And the president said he doesn't want to order a federal mandate. And instead, he's using surrogates, like some type of shadow state of all of these corporations. Uh, that is Jonathan Turley talking about enforced consent. They're actually considering, the Washington Post wrote it up, uh, making everyone take the vaccine uh, and man- mandating private businesses and schools saying, if you want federal money, you're not going to get it unless you mandate the vaccine to your company, to your school. Lou is listening on WABC in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Hey, Lou. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Great. What's on uh, your mind? I, I want to know who's speaking for the people who have had COVID. Like myself and my whole family have had it. We all beat it naturally. We went to get blood tests. We have the antibodies. But we're looked on as, if you're from the Northeast, which you are, as POSs, if you understand what I'm saying. We have the natural immunity, which I've listened to Mr. Siegel, Dr. Siegel, which could be just as good as a vaccine. And nobody's speaking for us. You don't matter. I don't get the vaccine. I've had they, it. they don't even quantify you. It's unbelievable. They I don't know. include you. Well, but it should be. We are a huge group. But if, if I go to the doctor and I say, listen, I've had COVID, test me. Or you have the antibodies. Can I have a COVID card now? Should. Why, why can't I get a COVID card? I would, the, the, the rest of the country's uh, percentage would go way up because a lot of us have had it. Didn't Got sick, of course. I lost my sense of smell for two months. And then, uh, okay, we've had it. We've been vaccinated naturally. Why, why are we uh, looked on as, you know? Well, you know, Lou, I'm going to go to bat. I'm going to go to bat exactly for that because doctors, a lot of doctors don't recommend after you get it to get the vaccine right away. So even if you wanted to get the vaccine, it might not be a healthy thing for you to do. So there should be an antibody card if you're going to go this rate, this route. And in fairness, Italy's gone this route already. And so are there some other so-called free countries. They're doing it in France too. We're better than that, though. Welcome back. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Everybody, Brian Kilmeade, Brian Kilmeade Show, finishing up this week. Thanks so much for being here. As I say the same thing to Susan Lee. It's been all over the channel, Fox Business. And uh, Susan, I was saying to myself at the beginning of the day, I wasn't thinking about the jobs report. I thought it might be just the same. I wonder what we're going to talk about. And then all of a sudden the jobs, 943,000 jobs. And that's why President Biden's on TV right now trying to take full credit for it. It is a great number, though, right? So I would say all in all, yeah, it's a pretty strong jobs report. You also have wage inflation, meaning that people are actually making more money in their hourly wages by maybe 4 to 5 percent. However, in terms of inflation and the prices that they're paying, it's offsetting and some because you're paying 7 to 8 percent more for your goods at the supermarkets and oil, gas, you name it. So it's, it's tough going out there. That is true. And no one's really fully uh, addressed inflation, which seems to be the most mysterious thing, the most <laughs> mysterious thing in the world. I have a light back in front of... Just in case I choke from yeah, laughter. Susan, is that- <laughs> but you should appreciate this as a right. businesswoman. This guy is Arthur Lee. He's yeah. a sponsor on our show, but a friend of mine from played soccer with him since I was 11. And he came up with this idea 
that he saw people choking so many kids dying. He says, I bet you I can come up with an idea. His dad was an engineer. And he uh, pioneered this thing where it goes over your face. Yeah. And because Heimlich doesn't work all the time, uh, not many times. Right. And you just push, pull. Right. And for whether you're uh, elderly and having trouble swallowing or a young kid and you're picking up things on the floor – and it's remarkable from firehouses to schools to homes. Yeah. He's gotten one uh, around the world now. He's well, getting letters from kids whose lives are saved because parents have this in their house. Which is amazing. It was situated right next to where I I'm know, sitting. You, you, so I was a little concerned. I was like, is there a president for this? Or I don't know. What happened here? Well, no, no one's going to choke in here. I okay. promise. There's no hard questions. <laughs> Look at Allison. Gasp. Allison's worried over there. She's like, no, no, you're not going to choke. I promise you. Okay, okay, good. But good, good no, uh, on the numbers in the big picture. But guess what's going to be happening? I'm looking at this infrastructure bill. How close have you looked at it? Because it's still in development. There's been over 300 amendments. It's going to cost a trillion dollars. Yep. Some of the money's repurposed. That's the right. The market seems to be happy with it if I'm looking at that. But you always educate me and tell me what <laughs> other reasons why the market's well, Did you look at the CBOA, the budget office, last no. night? They said that this trillion-dollar infrastructure package is going to add another $250 billion to the deficit. I mean, we already have a deficit that's almost the size of the entire economy and then some. But look, Wall Street loves it when you're spending more money, of course. That goes to the pockets of consumers, and we know that consumer spending powers around three-quarters of the U.S. economy. And they so they know that you're going to go out and buy more Apple iPhones. You're going to spend more on Amazon, maybe buy more Microsoft Cloud products on I don't know if you actually do that, but uh, that's what they're anticipating, right? Just consumer spending will boom if you spend more roads, bridges, tolls. Right. And that really blew up in this bipartisan, uh, these founders' faces because they said it was going to be paid for. And yeah. CBO says it's not going to be paid no, for. No, not for Well, $550 billion. I think they're going to repurpose, do some funny accounting, get some unused funding somewhere. And then the crypto markets, you know, cryptocurrency, you know, Bitcoin, you've heard of that. I mean, it's probably the asset of the years up like four times over the past 12 months. But they were going to clamp down on crypto transactions in order to raise cash for this, the other $450 billion in this infrastructure and deal. And what's wrong with that? Well, okay, so you saw cryptocurrency. If you're a Bitcoin trader, which I assume you're not, maybe your kids are, though, because it is all the rage with the younger we Gen Z millennials. We were having Z that conversation with the 20 plus, and yeah. they're fascinated by it. Fascinated. So it's the new money, right? But And you've seen prices actually go down because of all this heightened regulation and this reporting and taxing, and some of the language in the infrastructure bill just doesn't seem workable if you want to transact with Bitcoin in the future, which is why Bitcoin is trading at these levels. So, Susan, fundamentally, don't you think Ooh, it's Look at right. you. Yes. Uh, that sounds so businessy. Go ahead. Fundamentally. Alice, would you take this down? Because <laughs> I never sound businessy. I hope we could save this clip. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, one of the producers outside said, what are you going to talk to Kill Me about? I said, whatever Kill Me wants to talk about. There's one time I came in here and you want to talk about butane and liquefied natural gas prices. I was, you have to be prepared with Kill Me. Well, Brain is big. Well, but uh, I do like, uh, I do, I'm, I'm fascinated by the natural gas stuff and the fracking and the fact that we are giving that up to Butane Europe prices, though? I was a little was taken a aback little... by that. Okay. A um, couple of things. Isn't it right to tax... Uh, Bitcoin? Isn't it right to test cryptocurrency? Of course. And isn't that right to go in there again? Haven't they been getting a free ride? 
Well, oversight is, I think the actual industry welcomes it because then that makes it more mainstream if you have more oversight instead of the wild, wild west. But how do you tax it? Is it going to be at capital gains, which, by the way, will go up to if, if Biden gets his way and the socialists like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, it's going to be taxed like income. So you're paying a top tier 39 percent on possible transactions in the future. Now, Wall Street, the reason why Wall Street is trading near these record levels is because they, they think that the Republicans and the GOP are just going to go in there and say, no, we're not doing that because you're going to kill the economy. You're going to kill the stock market. And don't you want the U.S. to be the place to be and American exceptionalism to continue? They don't. Uh, I'm really if you look at the border and other things that are happening, you really wonder. So. With this deal, there's a bipartisan deal for a trillion. Yeah. Let's put that aside. Put that aside. <laughs> Guess what? Now it's got to get through the Senate, which yeah. could be this weekend. Then it's going to go to the House where they say it's going to hit a buzzsaw. Because these House Democrats have to deal with their wild left. And you have a speaker already on the record saying, I will not deal with this bipartisan deal unless I can get my reconciliation deal, which could be as much as $3.5 trillion. On top of the $1 trillion uh, infrastructure package. Which is where the tax increases are. Yeah, that's right. And they're not looking for one Republican vote. They're just looking for pure – they can't lose one Democrat – Pure Democratic votes. Okay. So that that's where the raising capital gains comes. Yes. And that also, by the way, if that happens, that would blow. Can you imagine inflation where that would be if they get three, three and a half trillion no one plus one and a trillion dollars? Oh. I mean, it would be beyond what we've seen, which is already pretty, pretty steep since we're looking at the highest and the fastest price gains since the early 1980s. Right. And that was after, remember that that spiral, that inflationary spiral that was so famous in the 1970s where you were paying 20 percent for sure. your mortgages. But, you know, why can't we just all agree that we need better roads, better airports, faster 5G, broadband, electric cars, EV charging stations, whatever, and just agree to that $1 trillion infrastructure package. I think we can all agree, right? Don't you want a nicer airport to fly out of? Absolutely. I was just told that uh, the 2,700 pages, yeah. there's a lot of stuff in there they're not telling us. That's what worries me. But having said that, let's just, I agree with you on that. Number yes. one, I like the idea that they're doing a deal. Yeah. I would love it to be 50-50 and maybe get 80 votes instead of trying to get 10 votes from Republicans. But then you hear, but there's a lot of environmental things in there that are going to hurt the economy overall. But putting that aside, on the on the multi-trillion dollar deal, that's got to come in and be written and done the same day. Or these these the squad people, the squad, the way to the left, <laughs> yeah. will not vote for this. That's right. Well, that's what they said. They said we need the anti-climate or the climate change. We need the anti-poverty and uh, what is it? Childless childless benefits or child benefits? Pardon me, I'm childless, but there, you need child benefits. Um, that which you know, I think will be hard to pass. Don't you think? I think also it blows out the deficit, and deficits do matter, and debt because that weighs on the U.S. dollar, and eventually the U.S. dollar is not going to be worth as much overseas if you're going to do this. Right. Uh, The other thing would be that I worry about is what he was just talking about when I muted him and get ready for the segment. (laughs) What was he saying? For people who make under a certain amount of money, they're getting money just for having kids. Right. Right. So it's the 500, the 500, the 500, the 500, and it's going to come to you. It's going to come to them for a year, and they're going to look to make it permanent. Getting paid to have children. Mm-hmm. I mean, we tried to get ourselves out of that in the eighties, and we did successfully. Mm-hmm. But as much as I feel for working class people that are having trouble getting out of the box, we've all been there before. I don't think we can afford to write checks on this 
where are this where's the tax base who's working that's right and who's paying for most of it yeah. you know the one percent i think one percent the one percent of the billionaires out there pay 40 percent of the tax coffers right and they want to tax them more pay your fair share what exactly is the fair share when you account for 40 percent of what's in government coffers and state spending i mean don't you feel like you, you pay enough taxes He'll need and the thing at is, those billionaire rates. Do you feel as though we have a different? <laughs> uh, we have a Allison different, agrees. Yes, <laughs> uh, we have a different perspective now on billionaires. When remember we were looking at uh, successful people and we go, look at that nice car, look at that beautiful house. Now we're now there's there's a sense in this country we resent the beautiful car and the beautiful house. Yes, instead of aspiring to get there. I agree, and that's got to. We have to change that mindset. Yes. Did, and, did you notice that Elon Musk and Tesla was snubbed at that White House meeting? What do you think's behind that? Well, you heard from Jen Psaki, the press secretary, saying that it was about the unions and the UAW who employs the most people. But there is no electric car industry without Tesla and their technology. And of course, the guru and the icon, Elon Musk, who really has inspired people to buy electric cars. I don't know why people are vilifying him. You saw him on Saturday Night Live because he's a rich guy that, you know, you can't hang out with them. You have to hate him. It makes no sense to me in a country like America with the best capitalist system in the world. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this. President's just wrapped up, uh, wrapped up his remarks. He always wrestles with the prompter in a way I didn't think was possible. <laughs> so whatever somebody wrote for him that he tried to put out, if it is audible, we'll try to use it. And Susan, uh, you'll also tell me what is important to look for uh, this weekend because they're going to do an all-nighter through this weekend before they take off on an infrastructure deal, Ooh, and then tough. it's going to hit the house. Yes. All right? And then I'll explain to you more about the life back. <laughs> okay. It could save lives. I don't know. I didn't mean to freak you out. <laughs> okay. Back in a moment. Honest commentary, unique opinions, no agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Which brings me to another piece of good news this morning. We learned that the economy created 943,000 new jobs in July. 943,000. The unemployment rate fell by a half a percent to 5.4%. So that those are some of the good news stories. They've had Joe Biden run to the microphone like every president would. But as uh, as Susan Lee will tell you, Fox uh, Fox Business own Susan Lee. The thing that bothers a lot of other people that want to look around the corner is mm-hmm. that inflation is going up and has taken a great deal of the wage increase away yep. that we'd feel in the economy. And I think a lot of people wear it in the big picture of writing another trillion dollar check on our economy. And those are the types of things that have us. In the long term, worried, but not in the short term. Yeah. And by the way, those weekly jobless claims are still at double the level they were pre-COVID. So you still need people to get back to work. And you've seen that these jobless benefits, the red states and the Republican states have cut them off early. Actually, you've heard this from CEOs over and over again, including McDonald's and Uber CEO, saying that they have seen workers come back faster in the states where they've cut off that extra generous $300 a week in jobless benefits. Right. And between that and the rental relief, what, what is going on? with the rental relief i mean moratorium yeah the moratorium and uh that that's going to continue even more which which i'm just wondering why people again when obamacare came out and they said there's going to be a certain level when you got it if you have a certain amount of employees uh you have to give them full-time health care so guess what happens you stay one uh, one person (laughs) underneath that threshold yes because it, it screws up your whole budget if you have to buy health insurance for everybody. Yes. And then you don't even increase pay either because you're saying, well, I'm already paying for your for your benefits. So, you know, you've already gotten your raise right there. Right. Yeah. Um, how is it 
that um, people are really concerned. You mentioned the cryptocurrency before. Yes. They say when China gets his set, their seven-month in seven months to get the Olympics, at yeah. which time they're going to unveil their own cryptocurrency. Oh, digital, the digital the, yuan, as they call it. Which so is will that currency. move the world? Could that move them off the dollar? Well, that's a no, I don't think so, because if you still want to trade in global markets, you still have to use the de facto U.S. dollar. And by the way, China likes their influence as well. They like buying U.S. treasuries. They like being the largest foreign holder of U.S. debt because it gives them the carrot and the stick, right, especially in political in political, I guess, head-to-head moves with the U.S. True. The other thing would be, uh, <laughs> yes. now, I'll, 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 I'll give you that. Right now, China is able to write these huge checks to yeah. build these missile silos and to rebuild their military. But what I find it hard to believe is their production is not mirroring that. They're also being hit again by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Is it because they're hiding their numbers they're able to do these type of things? Interesting. And they're also doing something very I would say concerning with their big technology companies, as you know, cutting off their nose despite their face. I mean, you've seen. Do you have you explain heard? Explain that to me. Okay, Ex- explain cutting off your nose despite your face. Well, or- that I understand, <laughs> but economically, <laughs> I don't understand why they're trying to divest themselves from American companies. Mm, okay, and they're also hurting their own technology companies, at least in the short term, because long term, the CCP wants absolute control when it comes to the economy, where finances go, consumer data, and of course, technology and the entire economy itself and, you know, the consumers out there. So what they're doing is they're clamping down on the likes of Alibaba. Have you heard of that sure. company? It's one of the Jack largest. Jack Ma disappeared for a few months That's and came back. That's right. That's right. And he was like the icon in China, right? And they even killed his record-breaking his IPO of his financial arm because they said, we want control, absolute control over finances, where money is going. They want to track where you spend, how much you're spending. They don't want the technology companies to have too much of that data because data and consumer control means that you have probably outsized control and influence outside of the Beijing government. Does that make sense? And the CCP, as you know, long term for one party state to last, you really need control over everything, what happens inside, outside of the country. Here's the problem. But they're hurting the stocks. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Alibaba's down 20% in a few weeks. What makes you think they're ever going to come up? Because what they're missing is, is that Jack Boss seems to be, like Jeff Bezos, a very creative person who understands and driven, has got unbelievable vision. You take that away, it's not a plug-and-play situation. You can't program creativity mm-hmm. and ambition. Correct. If you take that Beautiful. away, it disappears. Yeah, I love the way you said it. I can't say it any better. But have you ever been to China? No. I mean, it's a very capitalist system. People just want to make their lives better. If you talk to any average Chinese, they don't care about the politics. They don't care about the Communist Party. They just want to know that they can make more money next year and their kids will make money and be able to afford an apartment, which is very similar to Americans, I would say. They just want to put food on the table. So if you go there, do they care about one-party control? Probably not. Will they adhere to it in order to make their lives better? I would say yes. Right, but is there opportunity to do that? There are certain societies where you could have all the ambition in the world. It's just not going to happen, which is why they'll come to a place like this. Yes. Well, you know, And, And there is enough room to maneuver within that economy? For a a creative, ambitious person? Well, so there are benefits to one-state control. You don't have a lot of that bureaucracy in government, right? It's just look at how they controlled COVID and 
and what happened with the clampdown in Wuhan. Which is happening now, we hear, too. By yes. The way. Well, if you have one to five cases like, like you did in Wuhan once again, they, they shut down the entire city. Do you think that will happen if you shut down Miami or New York City for one to five cases happen. of COVID? It wouldn't happen. But look how quickly they also bounce back from from the pandemic. Faster, I would say, than the U.S. because they just have absolute control. And they just want the iron-fisted control over the economy and politics. Right. Uh, and, the, and the question is, will it continue to grow if you don't and will let that the jack help? Ma- Yes, and will that help innovation? Will that help the economy in the long term? Because if you're going to kill off visionaries like Jack Ma, that is not a smart move to do. True or false, they're not known as the capital of innovation. They're the capital of productivity, but the innovation they basically steal. Well, I have heard that because they have mandated in the past that any American company operating in China, you have to allow an official in. You have to share your technology. And they hack. And, and well, again, that's I would call that innovation, too. Um, but they are putting a lot of emphasis on the 2025 made in China. So they're talking about artificial intelligence. And there are no rules, no boundaries for how they produce and innovate. Right. Uh, Susan Lee, no boundaries to which you can handle. You can handle it all. Fox <laughs> Business' own Susan Lee is here. You can follow her at Susan that's L-I-T-V. Susan, thanks so Thank much. Thank you. Hey, keep it here. Go to BrianKilme.com, order any of my books. I'll be sure to sign it and send it. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.